be in Mark chapter 1 tonight. Mark chapter 1, I will say to uh, survey the crowd, Addison and Abby, I think they're the only two here that's probably heard most of this recently. Anyway, now we, uh, on our, uh, we'll keep your thumb on John chapter 7, uh, where we were at this morning. We're going there tonight as well. But uh, mainly in Mark chapter 1, uh, I'll say I apologize to them. We've been studying uh, the book of Mark upstairs on Wednesday nights in our youth uh, Bible study on Wednesday nights. And uh, may take us all year to get through the gospel of Mark, but uh, it's an exciting study. And so uh, the whole time I was preparing uh, this last week for this morning's message, I had this verse just kept coming. This just ties in in some way. Just kept looking at it. Finally, it all came together. But uh, the truths of what we will look at tonight will tie in uh, I think, very nicely to this morning. Uh, and, and here's how it's all going to come together. I'll give it to you in the beginning, and then we'll go put it all together. But uh, Jesus said, as we read this morning, uh, over in John chapter 7, in verse 38, talking about believers, said, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So he says, those rivers of living water will flow out, of those who believe in him. And so I got to thinking that rivers start somewhere. Don't they? I mean, rivers start, Jesus is going to use that analogy. I'm going to take that analogy just a little further. Rivers start somewhere. I did a little bit of research and found out that, that I didn't know any of this stuff. I'm, this is not stuff I spend a lot of time on, but uh, found out where the Mississippi River starts. Way up there it starts. Sixth longest river in the world, I think I read. And it uh, starts up there at, uh, let's see, Lake uh, Itasca, Itasca. Maybe y'all know how to say that word. I don't. But it starts up there. I have a lake. The Mississippi River does. The Arkansas River, now this blew my mind. I didn't know it started in Colorado. It starts way over there in the Rocky Mountains. Maybe that's where Tim and Lisa are. You know, they're on vacation. We all ought to send him a message and say, hey, you know, you're, since your Sunday school teacher won't tell you you were missed in church this morning, let him know. He'd text you if you missed church. And so we all ought to just blow his phone up this evening and just tell him we missed him. But the Arkansas River starts way over there in Colorado. The uh, Washita River, a little closer to home. The Washita River, I didn't realize it started up around Mena. And when I looked it up, it said it starts at Mena. They're in the Washita mountains. I know people from Mena. They never told me the Washita River started there. It must not be that big of a deal to the folks who live in Mena. But every river has a source. Every river has a starting point. And so it makes logical sense to me that the rivers of living water would have a starting point. And tonight, it is what I will submit to you that the starting point for the rivers of living water, their source, is summed up in two words. And that's the gospel. That's the starting point for the rivers of living water. But if you think about it, all rivers start somewhere. No, they also end somewhere. And so that's where we'll be going tonight as we look at that in Mark chapter 1. It's been said that there is no story more compelling and no message more essential than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the message that Mark sets out to to present to his audience here in this gospel account that he writes. And he says, in verse 1, he calls it the gospel. He is the only one of the four gospel writers to refer to what he's doing 
as writing down the gospel message. He's the only one that uses that word. So tonight we're going to look at one verse. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's read that again. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you for this message that we, uh, we get from uh, the entire book. Thank you for the gospel, the good news. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die for our sin. Thank you that if we accept this gospel message and have faith, we can spend eternity with you in heaven. I pray that you would open your word to us tonight. Speak to us as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the beginning, Mark says. He says, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now let's explore, let's go, let's float down this river just a little ways. And then we're going to tie it all back in at the end. But that word, gospel. Now you know, if I asked you, as most of you have already been going to church a long time, I asked the teenagers, some of them knew, some of them didn't, I said, what does the word gospel mean? And a few of them knew it means good news or good tidings. But, you know, Jews in the day that Mark wrote, they may have heard something a little bit different. Because in the Septuagint, which was the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, that same Greek word that Mark used here translated gospel is used throughout the Septuagint, throughout the Old Testament, to describe military victories, to describe physical rescues that are taking place. And so it's easy to understand why Jew in Jesus' day, as they look forward to the Messiah, would have been looking for that political or military Messiah because of the vocabulary used there. It's also a word used in the Septuagint to talk about ultimate salvation or the salvation of God's people through a messianic king. We know the word as the good news, the gospel, because as we outlined this morning, scriptures that we all know by heart, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'd be saved. And that's the good news, the way you and I know it, the way the gospel presents it. And when the original audience that Mark was writing for read that first line, there was no mistaking it. They knew this was going to be the message of that ultimate victory this is going to be the message of triumph and eternal rescue. They knew exactly what Mark was talking about. That Mark was writing about, this is the story of the promised Messiah. And Mark tells us that this gospel is all centered around the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He gives us his name, Jesus, this human name, the Greek form of the, the Hebrew name Joshua. Yahweh is salvation, gives us his title, Christ, which is the, the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah. So there, if there was any doubt before Mark got to this point, if there's any doubt as you read the beginning of the gospel, by the time he gets to of Jesus Christ, he settled all doubt that Mark is saying that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. 
that he's the Messiah and that he's the Son of God. He is one in nature with God. But don't think this is the first time the audience has ever heard about Jesus. People trying to discredit Jesus in the day Mark writes his gospel. People spreading around false teachings, maybe saying, oh, he was just a good man. He was just like one of the other prophets. And, of course, the same thing was happening back in John chapter 7. In the, you can turn there to John chapter 7, the text we read this morning. As Jesus is at the festival of booths, the festival of tabernacles. And get this, Becky told me tonight she used to know somebody that celebrated, commemorated the festival of tabernacles. It is a small world. John chapter 7. Mary's still not going to let me go, or she's not going to go with me anyway to go stay in a tent or anything, okay? On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not given, was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Verse 40. Therefore many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Then the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers said, No man ever spoke like this man. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? But this, but this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and know what he is doing? They answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has ever arisen, no prophet has arisen out of Galilee, and everyone went to his own house. So in Jesus' day, just like what's happening just a few years later, a decade or so later, when Mark writes the gospel account, the same thing's happening. When Jesus is alive, after Jesus has already ascended back to heaven, people are debating who he is. People are debating his purpose. You see the ignorance of the crowd. That just means they're, they don't know. They're unlearned concerning Jesus in verse 40 through 42. I, I find it entertaining, verse 42, entertaining and sad at the same time. When they say, has the scripture not said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem? Jesus raised in Galilee, born where? In Bethlehem. The crowd, even the Pharisees, when it comes over uh, later in verse 52, the Pharisees show their ignorance, so they haven't done their homework either. Who is Jesus? They say no prophet has ever risen out of Galilee. Well, yet Jonah did. 
It just showed these smart people's ignorance as well. But here's the thing. Just as in Jesus' day, when Mark wrote the gospel message that we read here throughout the book of Mark, there was confusion about who Jesus is. In some circles today, there's still confusion about who Jesus is. But Mark makes it very loud and clear. The heart of his entire message, the entire book is this. The Lord Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. And he said, I and the Father are one. He said, if you're looking for the Messiah, here I am. Mark is writing to tell us Jesus is the Messiah. And he is today, still in 2019, exactly who he claimed to be when he walked the earth. And here's where it all ties back in. We go back to those first two words in the book of Mark. The beginning. Those first two words. That doesn't mean the beginning of this chapter. That doesn't mean the beginning of this book. What Mark is saying is that this whole book is the beginning of the gospel. There are a lot of biblical scholars who believe that verse 1, Mark chapter 1 verse 1, is not where Mark intended to begin the story, but was instead the title of the entire work. That he wrote across the top of the page the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as a title, and then under it began to write, what we read in verse 2 and proceeding. So, as you get over to Mark chapter 16, at the very end of the book, just several pages over, and you read in Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse 15, and he said to them, Jesus talking to the disciples, go into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Don't try that next week. And they will drink anything deadly. It will be by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. They will recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them. He was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. And we're still at the beginning of the gospel. That's what Mark said. He said this whole work, this is the beginning of the gospel message. This is the beginning of the story. This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the works of Jesus are continuing today. The story is still being written. We haven't gotten to the end of the story because the story is still going on. He's still saving people. He's still healing people. He's still sitting at the right hand of the Father, just as Mark described in chapter 16. He's still sitting there interceding on my behalf and on your behalf. Mark could only write the beginning of the story because one day Jesus is coming back. Could be today. You never know. And only then will the story be completed. 
and I hope you're ready for that day. Mark could only write the beginning of the story because it's still being lived out. It's still being written by every person who confesses Jesus Christ as Savior. And as long as he delays his return, those rivers of living water that we talked about this morning, this is where it all wraps up. As long as he delays his return, those rivers of living water that we read about this morning continue to abound. And so it's important that we heed the words of Jesus from John chapter 7. When he said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And we should seek to live every moment, seeking to allow those rivers of living water to flow out of our hearts and out of our lives and into the lost and dying world around us. You see, that's where it all begins, with the gospel. And it all culminates when Jesus Christ returns. Until then, we've still got work to do. Is there anything before we close?